Good evening. Welcome to worship here at St. Paul's. My name is Pastor Brett Nauman. I come to you from Trinity Lutheran Church in Kiel, and it's my pleasure and privilege to be with you this evening as we continue our journey following our Savior and his final steps. Tonight we journey to a tomb. We join together in our opening hymn, Come to Calvary's Holy, Holy Mountain, hymn 394. We'll sing the first three verses. Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, We are going up to Jerusalem. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, and flogged, and crucified. Look, the Lamb of God, let us confess our sins to our Lord. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you in our thoughts, in our deeds, in our deeds, and in all that we have not done. Forgive us in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Deliver and restore us, that we may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ, and in him we are forgiven. Let us rest in his peace until the rising of the sun, when we shall serve him in newness of life. Amen. You may be seated. Lord God, you have brought us safely to this time of evening worship. We thank you for providing all that we need for body and life. Bless us who have gathered in your name, speak to our hearts, strengthen our souls, 
Dispel our sorrows with the comfort of your word and receive our songs of thanks and praise through Jesus Christ, our living Savior, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God, our Father, you are rich in mercy, and there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Do not remember our sins, but blot them out for the sake of Jesus, who has redeemed us by his precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Lead us to put our hope in you, for with you is unfailing love. Amen.
turn our hearts to the reading of the Passion History of our Lord. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more, and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think that I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Finally, two men came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. 
Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He's spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The word of our God that we would set our hearts to comes to us from John chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. I'd invite you to direct your attention to the screen. The text in the bulletin does not match. We're going to use that one. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? He told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus was deeply moved again as he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Take away the stone, he said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor because it's been four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. After he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out with his feet and his hands bound with strips of linen and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus told them, loose him and let him go. The word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, death is a thief. It steals life. It steals happiness. It steals relationships, it produces pain, it brings about nothing but sadness and and sorrow. And frankly, whether you like it or not, unless Judgment Day comes first, it's entirely inevitable. Ben Franklin once said that there's two great certainties in life, death and taxes. And while you may be able to fool some of those new 87,000 IRS agents with some creative tax deductions and evade paying some taxes, the fact is, you can't escape death. No matter what you do. Whether you inhale a whole pile of probiotics and vitamins for breakfast or you inhale a carton of cigarettes. Whether you go and you eat nothing but whole, organic Foods, healthy foods, or you eat nothing but highly processed Twinkies from a package. The fact is, is that you're going to die. And when death happens, pain occurs. You see that pain play out in our text today in the, in the lives of those who loved Lazarus. Lazarus had died. The pain that had resulted from that separation had set in. In that scripture lesson I, I, I read just a few moments ago from John chapter 11, we see that pain play out in the tear-filled eyes of, of Mary and Martha, in the, the Jews that surrounded them, and, and even in the eyes of the Savior himself. But look at what Jesus does. He takes some of his final steps before his own crucifixion, and he walks to a tomb, to the tomb of his dear friend Lazarus, And as as he does so, he changes it. 
He changes everything for, for Mary and Martha, and frankly, he changes everything for us. He changes the way that we view death. As we see that Jesus has come to defeat death. Anyone who has lost a loved one knows the pain that Mary and Martha were experiencing. I've had the privilege of being a pastor for the last 20 years now, and I've had the privilege of walking with a number of individuals as they've approached death themselves and then ministering to the families in the aftermath. I can tell you that in the 20 years of doing this whole pastor gig, I've experienced a whole variety of emotions from people when they, when they and their loved ones face death. There's the whole gamut. Although there's one emotion that I have yet to experience. I have yet to have someone actually be happy. Hey, pastor, guess what? Bill's dead. Isn't that great? I mean, he's gone. Maybe we should plan a funeral, huh? Not going to happen. Now, there's a variety of emotions. There's a spectrum, right? Everything from intense grief to all the way to the point of maybe some relief. If a loved one dies who maybe has struggled with a terminal illness and has been sick and suffering for a while, but happiness? Not so much. Sorrow and sadness is much more common. Why is there so much pain? Because frankly, death stinks. It stinks figuratively because we're separated from that individual. Mary and Martha no longer had the opportunity of, of being there in this life with their brother by their side. He would be gone. Death stinks literally because our bodies decay. When Jesus commanded them to, to move the stone away from the entrance to that tomb, Martha objected and she cried out. She said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor because it's been four days. Think had we been there, we would have objected too. After all, the Jews did not embalm their dead. And by this time, four days later, there would have been a significant smell because Lazarus' body would have already been decaying. The scene that would have been inside that tomb would have been nothing but nightmarish. That nightmarish scene occurs only because sin happens. Doesn't matter if we've committed just one sin in our life or, or billions of sins. God's word tells us that the wages of that sin, what we earn for our sin is death. And it doesn't just promise a, a physical death, an end of this life. It, it points us forward to, the, to an eternal end. Death in hell forever and ever and ever. But today Jesus comes to us. And he comes to us, and, and as we watch him take these final steps to this tomb of Lazarus, we see that he changes the way that we view death, because Jesus comes to defeat death. Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus, and he demonstrates his power over death, as he, he cries out in this loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And lo and behold, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus had accomplished an amazing miracle, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Death is something that can be defeated. For you see, while death takes its toll on us, God ultimately tri is triumphant through death. 
For us Christians, there's hope. True hope as we face death. We confess that hope in the beautiful words of the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Jesus didn't just take his final steps to the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus willingly went to his own tomb. And on the way to that tomb, he made a pit stop at the cross. And there he endured the helpless horror that was his crucifixion. It was on that cross that God the Father spared his son no pain, spared his son no suffering. As God laid on Jesus the iniquities of us all, he died and he was buried. And for three long days, while Jesus' body was stuffed into that tomb, the devil thought that he had won. But you and I know the good news, to know that death wasn't victorious. Death was defeated on that third day. It wasn't Jesus' final steps to the tomb of Lazarus or even going to his own tomb that sealed the deal for us. It was the fact that he walked out of his tomb that brings us the confident hope to know that our tomb won't be the end of us but that we, just like Lazarus, will rise again. And we can be confident of that truth. Just as sure as that water was splashed on our head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can be confident to know that our tomb will not be our end. Just as sure as the word of God was announced to you, the word of forgiveness, saying that your sins have been removed in the name of that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can be confident to know that our tomb will not be our end. Just as sure as the very body and blood of Jesus with the bread and the wine comes and touches to our very lips, given and shed for you, for your forgiveness, for the strengthening of your faith. Because Jesus walked out of his tomb, we can walk towards our tombs in a way that is dramatically different from the way of the world. Make no mistake about it, unless Judgment Day comes first, we are all going to die. But we can approach death differently. We can know the words that Martha claimed in our text for today and in the verses that come right before it. For when we look at the casket of a dear loved one, we don't see finality. We really see the beginning. That's what Martha saw when she saw the tomb of Lazarus while he was still stuffed inside. She confessed that truth to Jesus in the words that come right before our text. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Christian, you and I can have hope even in the midst of tragedy. Martin Luther talked about that hope, that when he looked at a, at a cemetery, at a, at a burial ground, he, he described it in this way. He said, the cemetery or burial ground does not indicate a heap of the dead, but a field full of kernels, known as God's kernels, which will verdantly blossom forth again and grow more beautifully than can even be imagined. See, it is in death that God does his greatest work for the Christian, death isn't, isn't the end. 
It ultimately marks the beginning, really, the beginning of something that is a whole lot better, something that is far more beautiful than anything that this life has to offer. Friend, you and I were diagnosed with a difficult disease, brought about a terminal diagnosis. Because of our sins, to one degree, Benjamin Franklin is absolutely correct. Death is certain. It's inevitable, and there's no escaping it. There's no medication, no cream, no oil, no food, no exercise plan that can help us defeat death and get you out of it. Yet while it may be certain, while it may be inescapable, it has been defeated. Jesus walked to the tomb of Lazarus and destroyed death. Not just for Lazarus, but when he walked out of his own tomb, he destroyed death and its power for us. Because that's the case, we don't have to fear death. We can stare death straight in the face and be confident to know what's waiting for us on the other side because of what Jesus did. Amen. Please stand as we join together in singing Glory Be to Jesus. Gracious Lord, according to your will and promise, you planned his path to the cross. He confronted the blindness of unbelief, the confusion of doubt, and the hurt of death. As we hear and contemplate the holy record of our Savior's passion and death, humble us as we view the Savior in his humility. In his suffering, show us our healing. And in his death, show us our life. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the sake of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Bless us and keep us. Amen. Good evening once again and a warm welcome to everybody tonight. I do have one special announcement to bring to your attention before we send you on your way and that is there's going to be 